0: Winter can't come fast enough for South Florida's hotels. The industry is struggling with fewer people traveling, and colder temperatures elsewhere may help.
1: Now we are headed into a challenging fall and a very challenging season. A
2: huge chunk of our market simply disappeared.
0: I'm Tom Hudson. Today on the Sunshine Economy, how hotels hope to rebound. Also on our program today, catching up with a banker, baker, and bartender as they each navigate through the pandemic economy.
3: I continue to have this question, what's the future going to look like? The next three months, it looks good. I get
4: to close the bar down on Thursday, Friday night.
0: It's all ahead on the Sunshine Economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. $32. It's about the price of a full tank of gas. Two big packages of paper towels. A hotel room. Yeah, a hotel room for $32. That's how much money the average available hotel room brought in in August in Miami-Dade County. $32. It was $44 in Broward County that month. Both of these are higher than what they were in the springtime. The hotel industry is reeling from the travel recession more than six months into the pandemic. Revenue per available room has plummeted with thousands of unsold rooms sitting empty each night across South Florida. From mom and pop motels to the big corporate names, they hope April marked the bottom when about one in 10 hotel rooms were occupied in Miami-Dade, only about one in four in Broward County. The business is rebounding but remains a long way from recovering.
1: It's not shaping up to look like a very good fall or season for us.
0: Donna Boucher is one of those mom-and-pop owners. She and her husband have owned the Manta Ray Inn on the beach in Hollywood since 1992.
1: My prediction is it's going to come more last minute, uh, when people feel a little more comfortable with what has happened in the world. Um, So I would have to say right now we are headed into a challenging fall and a very challenging season.
5: It's very scary going into a month and you think, wow, this is really going to tank.
0: That's Jim Bernardin. He owns the Pines and Palms Resort in Isla Morada.
5: And then it just seems to slowly fall into place.
0: Bernardin and Boucher are owner-operators of their small hotels. Each sits beachside, and both have had to adapt to the new safety protocols, the last-minute business, and the new market for guests with international travel all but stopped in air travel very, very quiet.
5: We're uh, running anywhere from 50 to 60 percent.
0: That's daily occupancy at Bernardin's Resort in the Middle Keys. That means about a dozen of his cottages have guests. Boucher's hotel is smaller, and she's having a tougher time.
1: Our occupancy right now... The prediction is if we can hit the double digits, meaning, meaning over 10 percent, um, we'll be very lucky.
0: That's one or two of her 11 suites hosting a guest each night. It's far from even a modest business during what has traditionally been the slowest part of the season for South Florida hotels. Now, remember, the hotel industry essentially was shut down, though, at the height of the busy season, March and April. The Novotel Miami Brickle stayed closed for six months. It's run by a French hospitality giant. It reopened on September 1st. About a third of its 275 rooms are full on an average night. It may be a much bigger property with corporate backing, but General Manager Claudia Degino echoes what smaller, locally owned hotel owners are experiencing.
6: We see a last-minute pickup from Thursday for the weekend or even the same day on Friday or Saturday. So it has been a last minute. Very, very hard to project or forecast at this
0: time. While the Novotel just reopened, the Betsy Hotel on South Beach remains closed. The earliest a guest could make a reservation is Halloween weekend. It would be the hotel's first overnight guests since March.
2: A huge chunk of our market simply
0: disappeared. That's owner Jonathan Plutzik. He's referring to international travelers, but as travel overall ground to a halt. So did business.
2: And so we've taken this opportunity instead to uh, further polish up our building in ways that you can't do when you have guests here.
0: Like some remodeling, deep cleaning and preparing for business during a pandemic.
2: We've used this opportunity to get ready for what we strongly believe is going to be uh, a bounce back, not just for the Betsy, but. For the community, we think uh, South Florida in general and South Beach in particular is as well positioned to recover as any location in the country.
0: Just how fast the recovery takes and how big of a rebound business makes relies on a number of things, reopening the economy, infection rates and the confidence of people to travel again. South Florida hotels won't have to wait too long to see if there's any evidence of business getting better or not.
5: Our really strong season starts in February. That's when we're slammed, you know, every room, every day.
0: This is Jim Bernardin again with the Pines and Palms Resort in Isla Morada.
5: That's looking really, really great. The problem with that is those reservations were put in last year before all this happened. And the scary part is, you know, that time of the year, we usually get a lot of Europeans and we don't know if we can count on that market this year. And when somebody's sitting on a a month-long reservation and they might cancel at the last minute or something, that's hard to absorb. So there's kind of an unknown factor floating around in terms of advanced bookings.
0: But first, the industry has to find its way through the uncertainty of the next several months. And Donna Boucher at her Manta Ray Inn in Hollywood says that means counting on a completely different type of traveler.
1: Right now, we're depending on the drive market. And traditionally, um, especially people in Florida, they do not normally travel in October, November, into December. So, yeah, we're, we're having a real struggle here in Hollywood, even though we are, you know, very close, 10 minutes from the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood Airport. And, I mean, we are in the ocean. Uh, it's
0: not looking good. Still to come, how a couple of small hotels hope to weather the pandemic.
5: We're going to be meeting a lot of new Americans that maybe are changing their plans and and want to drive to the warmest place you can drive to by car, and that's the Florida Keys or South Florida.
1: We can't depend on the Canadian market. Um, I am Canadian, and I think that we can't really count on the European market.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Jim Bernardin has a spreadsheet stretching back more than two decades.
5: I've been tracking um, total gross revenue, average daily rate, uh, RevPAR.
0: Uh, RevPAR is hotel lingo for revenue per available room. Mm -hmm. It's a key metric for how hotels look at how successful they are in filling up their rooms with guests and at what price. Bernardin owns and runs Pines and Palms Resort in Isla Morata.
5: And normally what I do is I look at those trends and I look at what's going on in the world and the economy and all that. And, you know, make an educated guess for our budget for the next year. And that ability to make those projections is kind of gone.
0: And that's because of the pandemic. Hotels were ordered closed for about three months, shutting them down at the height of the tourist season back in the spring. Donna Boucher owns and runs the Manta Ray Inn on the Hollywood Beach. Like Bernardin in the Middle Keys, she hopes next year can come close to a year ago.
1: I can tell you right now we're down 40 percent over last year. If our revenue overall in 2021 is down about 10 percent from what it was last year in 2019, I'll feel very comfortable.
0: But there are a lot of blank spaces on those spreadsheets for Boucher and Bernardin and the hotel industry at large in South Florida.
5: When we opened back up in June, there was a lot of people coming down to the Keys and and just kind of uh, blowing off steam and finally getting out of the house and really coming down to relax and party. And uh, that kind of wore off through the summer. And now we have more of a traditional uh, group that seems to be coming down. And we're also starting to see people from outside of the state of Florida traveling uh, to come and visit us. So it's it's not terrible. It's just scary. You really can't predict. So September surprised me. Um, I thought we were going to be way, way down and we aren't where we should be. But it just didn't turn out as horrible as, as we thought. And October is pacing. okay.
1: what I'm hearing from him, and it's very true, is the Keys has always been a popular, uh, unique situation, and it has always been known as a fun uh, getaway. And so for the drive market, it makes sense that they were able to hold their rate, and they had a very good summer. When the pandemic hit, we um, gave our guests the option of either getting a refund, obviously, for their deposits on their reservations or holding them until after, you know, the pandemic was over and rebooking. And most of our guests opted for the rebook, which, so going into 2021, our our February, March, if it follows through, will be very good. But financially, we've already taken their deposits. So the income will be less.
0: Where does the best hope for any kind of recovery or rebound for your properties stand when you look at what are normally the the high season, both in terms of occupancy and prices that you can charge in uh, late this year and early in 2021? Where does that materialize, Donna, for you if the European or the Canadian market, for instance, which are so important for some of those hotels in Broward County, does not come because of either travel restrictions or just travel worries?
1: Our philosophy has always been quality, not quantity. And so we are not discounting our rates um, very much. Yes, right now there's some wiggle room We are running some specials uh, for the fall, but certainly not in season. And you're absolutely right. We can't depend on the Canadian market. Um, I am Canadian and I think that we can't really count on the European market because of the restrictions and not that they may be lifted, but unfortunately they're very nervous about coming to the U.S. And so uh, we're going to focus on the Northeast and the Midwest.
0: Jim, how about for you, as you're looking at those reservations for the high season in the Middle Keys, if that European business does not materialize, where is it going to come from?
5: This is an opportunity, actually, out of this whole thing, possibly is that we're going to be meeting a lot of new Americans that maybe are changing their plans and and want to drive to the warmest place you can drive to by car, and that's the Florida Keys or South Florida. And so the hope is that that lack of foreign visitor will be taken up by travelers who decide not to get on an airplane and fly somewhere and want to drive down down here.
0: Will they pay the same rates as the Europeans and Canadians had been willing to pay for both your properties?
5: I actually think that uh, the rates will be as high, if not higher, because I, I do think there's going to be strong demand for certain types of properties, especially during those months. And as long as my, my bookings hang in there that were booked last year, when pe- before people went home last season, that what, what happens is they... they mostly repeat guests that time of the year, probably 80, 80 plus percent. And the last thing they do when they leave is they, they book for the following year. So unless all that caves in, uh, we should be okay during the high season.
0: Donna, how do you manage over the next few months with all that uncertainty about what had been a certain bulge in business that you could count on year after year, that being, of course, the wintertime travelers, but with the uncertainty and the short time frame, obviously, that folks are kind of working on now and the ripple effect that has on your ability to plan and to finance the operation.
1: Well, you know, your operation expenses, although you try always, you know, in the uncertainty of the times, uh, you definitely try to minimize. But I mean, basically, let's be honest, they stay pretty well the same. Because you want to upkeep your property at the quality that you've always given your guests. And the one thing I can agree with with Jim is I think that small properties are going to be the first to uh, recover. So, yes, it's a challenge, but it's not unsurmountable.
0: Jim, in March, you and I spoke just as the keys were closing down, and you shared with me this experience.
5: We were used to hearing the, the diesel engines every morning going out from Bud and Mary's Marina. You can just hear those things, and it's a, just a gentle roar as they all head to the bait patch every morning. It's been just eerily quiet every single morning, not hearing those boats go out. So it's, it's uh, something none of us have experienced.
0: What does it sound like now?
5: Well, it sounds like a lot of activity now. I mean, you, you hear, you hear bo- the boats are going out fishing every morning. Um, it's, that part of it's back to normal um, in terms of, you know, the, the sounds. There's people laughing, and uh, especially on the weekends, you, you, you hear conversations, and you see people having fun, and um, it's just not up to the full extent of the way it normally is, but it's not that, that dead quiet that we experienced during the shutdown.
0: Jim Bernardin owns and runs Pines and Palms Resort in Isla Morata. Donna Boucher owns and runs the Manta Ray Inn on the Hollywood Beach. Now, they have each hired back their staffs. And they say during the shutdown, both of them independently had regular guests sending them money with notes to use the cash for their housekeepers and others who had gone without work during the shutdown. Still to come how a corporate-owned hotel remakes itself for that pandemic traveler.
6: Business travelers are not returning yet in Brickell. The majority of the offices, they haven't been back.
0: This is the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. You can subscribe to a podcast of this program. Search Sunshine Economy on your podcast app and hit subscribe. You can also send us an email, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Most people who stayed in South Florida hotels last year were here for the fun of it. More than half the guests were vacationers, according to data from the Greater Miami Convention and Visitors Bureau. Those are the travelers who will drive whatever recovering rebound South Florida hotels will experience. Business travelers made up a much smaller share of visitors, and with work at home still routine for many companies, those business travelers are not likely to hit the road soon. The Novotel Miami Brickle was designed to cater to both vacationers and business travelers. It's near the Brickle Downtown Miami area just off I 95. It's run by a French hospitality giant who kept it closed for six months before reopening earlier this month. I spoke with General Manager Claudia DeGino. What do you think your reservations tell you about business travel and the return of the U.S. business traveler to South Florida?
6: What we have seen, it's completely leisure travelers.
0: So business travelers have not returned.
6: Business are not returning yet, and especially in this area in Brickell, the majority of the offices they haven't been back. I think that once there is more news on on the vaccine, or um, you know, more countries opening up and and more flights, I hope to see that uh, coming back to to the Brickell area. But as of right now, the majority of the business is just leisure.
0: Claudia, share with us. What the guest experience is like now, after Novotel has reopened in the pandemic, compared to what it would have been a year ago at this time? How has it changed?
6: There is an extreme um, detailed checkpoint for our guests. Uh, that includes the, the temperature check, includes mask throughout the property in you know, all indoor areas, as well as in the city. You know, it's as well mandatory here in Miami dade and uh, social distancing and the same goes for our employees so we have also the um, the checkpoints for all of them including the face mask the temperature check we all wear uh, a bracelet once we are checked and these will ensure that everybody feels comfortable with the persons that they are working for the day or for the shift
0: what does the bracelet designate to others
6: Well, it designates that we've been checked and that we are okay to work for the day. So we do this process on a daily basis.
0: Have you had any instances of employees not passing that health check and not being able to work for the day?
6: No, we haven't had any situations so far. We're so lucky.
0: Claudia, the hotel was closed for about six months. What kind of investments were done? You mentioned the temperature checks. I imagine there's some kind of technology involved with that. The bracelets, uh, personal protection gear, sanitization—in other words, what what kind of cost was there, even as there was no income coming in, no guests for six months?
6: Absolutely. So this has been another, you know, big expense for any other hotel or any other business, and so we did have to make uh, investments on um, the equipment uh, for personal protection as well as all of the areas within the hotel from front of the house and back of the house, marking all the social distancing, all the different uh, signage that we must have in order to express how important it is to wear the face mask and the temperature checks. Uh, We have to designate a specific area with labor as well. So there is a big investment because it's not only the equipment for personal protection, but as well, all of the signage that you need to ensure that your area and hotel complies with all the different guidelines.
0: Are all rooms at the hotel available now? Are they all open for reservations?
6: Yes, we do have all of our rooms open. Our hotel is is ready and all of the... Um, we have a also another protocol with our rooms that is a 48-hour resting period. That means that when a guest checks out, we leave a 48-hour uh, resting time. And after we go, we clean and ensure that the room is ready for another guest.
0: So not every room is available to be sold every night like it was before the pandemic, correct?
6: Well, no, because obviously the occupancy is not as high as we were before we closed and before the pandemic. So while we see this low occupancy that we are experiencing throughout, I mean, it's not only us, it's throughout Miami-Dade. So we have the possibility to, you know, to do this. But, you know, it's going to take some time to ramp up within the tourism industry. And we all know that.
0: Claudia, you've worked internationally in a lot of different locations, a lot of different types of properties, and a lot of different sizes of, of companies. So you, you draw upon a wealth of experience. What do you think the hotel industry needs here in South Florida for it to stage a sustainable recovery?
6: I think that we all need to partner together um, and, and help each other within the different segments, right? Because you, you see that hotels are struggling, our industry is struggling. So for example, you see hotels dropping rates drastically, that it doesn't help anybody. So I think working together on, on protecting our, our products and protecting our rates and our um, city, I I see that, that people are just struggling. Hotels are struggling to to keep up, and that's completely understandable. But I think working more as a team in the area um, could be a good, good thing to do.
0: It's always been a balance in the hotel industry, as it is in others, about supply and demand. And in the hotel industry, that gets expressed in the room rate. And it sounds like you are trying to persuade uh, others in the industry to hold the line, not to discount those rates too much as we move into what traditionally had been the high season for South Florida.
6: Correct. For us, the safety is number one. So this is why ensuring that we are delivering that safe experience and protecting our rates, it's really important for us. Other hotels not following those protocols and just dropping rates It's hard to build your business like that.
0: Speaking with Claudia DeGino, general manager of the Novotel Miami Brickle Hotel. The average daily room rate in and around downtown Miami is down 13 percent compared to a year ago. Demand is only a third of what it was last September. This according to the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Now, still to come, the view from South Beach.
2: We think uh, South Florida in general and South Beach in particular is as well positioned to recover as any location in the country.
0: back on the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. Today we're talking about how hotels hope to rebound from the pandemic recession. The hotel business was planning on a pretty good year in 2020. After all, it got off to a big start. The Super Bowl was in Miami. Remember that? It helped boost tourism, hotel prices, and sent the image of the sand, the surf, and the swaying palm trees of South Florida to hundreds of millions of people worldwide.
2: The game was played, you know, 45 minutes away, but the center of the world, ground zero, was Ocean Drive.
0: Jonathan Plutzik would know. He owns and runs the Betsy Hotel on Ocean Drive with his family. Business was booming. Then the pandemic hit. Travel restrictions were put in place, then businesses were shut down. Plutzik has not reopened the Betsy Hotel yet, even as others have. We spoke with him last week. Why have you taken that business decision to stay out of business, even as the county continues to take steps to reopen?
2: One, I mean, we're a hotel that is very much targeted to, uh, of course, to out-of-town guests. Um, We uh, have positioned the hotel as a a place that's uh, luxury oriented and uh, without sounding self-important, tries to be sophisticated in its delivery of services and food quality and so forth. And uh, the summertime, even as the county permitted people to reopen, was a time uh, normally we would expect a, a tremendous number of international guests. Um, and there was virtually no international travel and remains very limited, so a huge chunk of our market simply disappeared and frankly we 're quite optimistic about the the future, meaning as we get into what is the traditional high season because we think people are going to begin traveling more you know and then we become a a very uh northeast centric uh New York and Philadelphia and Boston and Toronto and Vancouver. Those are not all northeast, but you know what I'm saying is the, the colder colder climates. Um, uh, the people, again, particularly in a COVID environment where they've been cooped up and the weather turns cold are coming. But, you know, at the moment, so many of our uh, normal guests, either ones who have actually been here or ones, you know, by background and interest and in demographics would be here, where they're from, what they do their level of affluence, their interests, um, have not been traveling. And so we've taken this opportunity instead to uh, further polish up our building in ways that you can't do when you have guests here, redone all of our rooms, uh, not only decoratively, but of course made them COVID environment ready. And we've had a, a crew of engineers and housekeepers and Uh, other managers working uh, full-time to do all of that. So we didn't close the doors and go home, but we've used this opportunity to get ready for what we strongly believe is going to be uh, a bounce back, not just for the Betsy, but for the community. We think uh, South Florida in general and South Beach in particular is as well positioned to recover as any location in the country.
0: What are the considerations that you are thinking through to reopen when and how?
2: You know, one of the things that uh, people often, I think, underestimate is how much of an e-commerce business the hotel business is. If you think about it for a moment that the principal product that we sell, not the only product, but the principal product, Uh, are our rooms, and dominantly our rooms are sold online. So that's the description of an online or e-commerce business. As a consequence of that, we have actually really great information about how people are behaving, frankly, every day, who's buying rooms not only for us but for our competitive set, who's buying rooms tomorrow, for next week, for a month from now, for four months from now, Uh, who's planning weddings, we see that flow of information every single day. So it's not just a question of going outside and looking at the street or walking to the beach and seeing if it's crowded or not. We actually have data that helps us make a judgment about what are people doing uh, to make plans for December. We use that data to evaluate you know, uh, how the market's unfolding. We always use our own judgment, frankly, about what we think are kind of common sense things. Better weather, more flights, people being cooped up in some of these colder climates. We don't wish any of those colder climates ill, but, but we're advantaged uh, because of our climate and our architecture and the kind of open you know, spaces that we have here that make people live in a very different way.
0: You maybe wish him a snowstorm or two, maybe an early <laughs> winter, right?
2: I don't wanna say I don't wanna say it out loud. We wish them all safety. But we know. Uh, I had a call with some colleagues actually who a colleague who's New York based uh, earlier in the week and he said I I put a sweatshirt on for the first time over the weekend and reflecting just the change, it's you know, it's late September and all of a sudden there's a cold afternoon.
0: That's music to your ears, isn't it?
2: It is its is music to our, to our ears, for sure. It causes people to think about things that they were not thinking about otherwise.
0: Back to the data, though. What is that data showing you uh, about the weeks and months ahead? Online, one can make a reservation at the Betsy no earlier than late October right now.
2: Right. You know, we don't think uh, that all of a sudden, you know, on October 30th, uh, Market's going to explode with demand. Uh, you know, traditionally, you know October, September was perhaps the quietest month of the year, and it began to build in October. And you begin to think about Thanksgiving and then of course, our dazzle, which was a obviously perhaps the biggest week of the of the year. Um, but you know our business is really built not on three or four or five days, but built on every day of the week, every day of the year. We are seeing evidence. Slowly but surely, and again, it does require a cold wave or a snowstorm to get people's mind really focused on what am I going to do in February? Um, But, you know, we're seeing, for example, interesting uh, booking inquiry around longer stays. Because not only do we have the prospect of cold weather coming up, we have the prospect of people continuing to work virtually into... Well into two thousand twenty-one,
0: so your average stay may be increasing in terms of the number of days. That's that's correct. what well, used to be a three
2: or four day, you know, long weekend. Maybe all of a sudden turns into ten or twelve days, or or even longer, uh, because there's clearly some people who are going to try to leave New York in the wintertime the way they left New York in the summertime.
0: Your reopening calculus is there a role at all in your thinking about? the current phased opening that we're experiencing locally here in Miami-Dade County specifically and more generally in South Florida in other words a slower reopening that we're experiencing here in South Florida than compared to the rest of the state
2: you know i'm uh, i'm in it for the long term so i'm generally supportive of those who are Trying to do this really thoughtfully from a health point of view, Uh, and I say that knowing that no one is certain what the right path is. Uh, You know, I'm I'm frankly, you know, a bit concerned about you know the school reopening. I'm not just talking about public schools; I'm talking about the you know higher education as well. What's happening on college campuses? How that's going to affect infection rates? You know, what does that mean for a second wave? All those things that you know we're we're anxious to be in business for a long time we're anxious for our community to recover and that's you know not defined so much about you know what happens next week whether or two weeks from now whether we're open or not uh, but more about are we finding you know a longer term path to a, a successful pathway you know past the covid pandemic
0: are you feeling anxious to reopen, either emotionally or economically, just to get some cash flow going again?
2: Well, it's in, it's impossible to be anxiety-free in this environment. You know, we've got a list of things to worry about. And, and naturally, uh, we have anxiety and optimism is all kind of rolled into one. And then mixed with that is we don't have certainty about the future, We have all kinds of protocols about temperature taking and, you know, we have a health app that employees must fill out every day and reporting requirements and social distancing. And we have tracing mechanisms in our iPhones. You know, we're we're getting ready for a time when there will be, you know, denser populations of people in and outside our buildings. Um, But invariably, uh, it would be foolish. Not to be, uh, you know, thoughtful and concerned about making sure that we take every step forward as carefully as we can, because there are there are risks ahead. So, I optimi- I'm an optimistic person generally, so I'm not like down, but uh, you know, that's that's married with confronting, you know, the reality we've had since March 23rd of a lot of angst. By the way, a lot of people at risk.
0: How is it for you to be out on Ocean Drive these days, uh, knowing that the hotel that that you have, uh, that you own and and is, is still closed, you know, and you're looking forward and you're optimistic about what's to come, but you're not part of that buzz?
2: Yeah, I've got this mixture of awe about just the physical circumstances, the architecture, I've got uh, anxiety and anxiousness and pain about all the people who are out of work. Uh, It's like serious. um, And it's not going to get better overnight uh, for many of our, again, extended Betsy family or our extended Ocean Drive or Miami Beach family. It's going to it's going to happen in a slow ramp up. But I'm I'd much rather be here at this moment. And I mean, this, frankly, more than any other
0: place in the country. Speaking with the owner of the Betsy Hotel on South Beach, Jonathan Plutzik, last week. Now, before the pandemic, the hotel employed more than 200 people. The hotel received a Paycheck Protection Program loan between 2 and $5 million. Still to come, catching up with a banker, baker, and bartender as they navigate through this pandemic economy.
3: I continue to have this question
7: What's the future going to look like? I had a meeting with my financial team to look at cash flow and look at the projections for the next three months. It looks good. The last seven months,
4: as uncertain as they have been, I just managed to complete two science-based certifications.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episode. Just search Sunshine Economy on your podcast app and hit subscribe. This week is the end of the month and the end of the third quarter. It's just a flip of the calendar, but it's also an opportunity to take stock and look ahead. And that's what our banker, baker, and bartender are doing as they navigate the pandemic economy. Economic statistics are certainly important to gauge how the economy reopens and recovers, even while COVID-19 is a public health crisis. But data is a lot different than individuals making up the data and facing the uncertainty. And that's why each week we talk with a banker, baker, and bartender about their experiences. The bartender, Keisha Scott, in Boynton Beach, was at work on Friday as news began to make its way around the bar that Governor Ron DeSantis declared Phase 3 for the state's economy.
4: During the shift, and my manager came up and said something to us, and he was like, "We're about to add all the chairs," and so we added all the chairs back. It didn't change anything for me, being that there was nobody in there to begin with. But um, it's exciting. We'll see how it goes. I have um, I have two opening shifts, and the, the, this will actually be something a little different. Um, on uh, Monday and Tuesday, they're going to allow me to just be by myself without a server, which is nice. I get to close the bar down on Thursday, Friday night and enjoy my my Wednesday and Saturday off and then open it back up again on Sunday morning, hoping we can pull some people in for a little football.
0: Now, Scott lost her job in May when restaurants and bars remained closed. She was able to find a new job tending bar at an Italian restaurant in Palm Beach County, but she's also taken the opportunity during the pandemic to gain new skills in new fields. She accomplished a milestone last week toward that new future. Her personal training certification.
4: I passed my exam Thursday. <laughs> I've spent the whole like day before just listening to podcasts, just trying to prepare myself, and I felt really confident when I woke up. And then about two, three minutes before the exam, like my hands started to get clammy, you know, and I started to get nervous. Like, oh my god, like I don't remember anything. <laughs> this is going to be awful. And then I ended up just blowing through it. So I hit that button and just crossed my fingers and then it came back saying that I passed. <laughs> After I took it, I just kind of put it into perspective, you know, and the last seven months, as uncertain as they have been, I just managed to complete two, you know, science based certifications. It's not that it was easy, but it was easy to attain because I had the time. So I'm lucky enough to not have had like a crazy negative experience during all the pandemic. And now that I have both of them, I just, I now I'm just, I'm just ready to kind of hit the ground running and, and set myself up for 2021. So I've got my certification in nutrition coaching, um, and then my certification as a personal trainer as well. I have a lot of planning to do. I've already kind of done, you know, a little like makeshift. If I wanted to make X amount of money a year, this is, you know, how many clients I need to see a week or in a day. Um, I've broken that down. So now it's just a matter of I need to kind of build templates um, and, you know, figure out what kind of programming I really want to do, what kind of trainer, what kind of coach I really want to be. So I think I'll probably just spend these next few months just really trying to tailor that um, and then really like launch whatever it is that I'm going to call it in january and then really just just kind of try to hit the ground running i'll probably still bartend because it's just in me until i feel like i've got the clientele base and i feel comfortable without it but i would probably still have a few shifts bartending
0: bartender keisha scott thousands of companies across south florida received paycheck protection program loans ppp loans through local banks. The money was designed to help keep people on payroll during the worst of the pandemic and the economic consequences of the shutdown. If most of the cash was spent on workers, the loan is supposed to be forgiven. But the banker in our group continues to wrestle with two frustrations that a lot of companies still face, how to get the loan money forgiven and facing an uncertain end of the year.
3: This is uh, Ginger Martin, president and CEO of American National Bank. The thing that has kind of really been on our radar is the whole PPP, uh, you know, forgiveness, because that is still on hold. And we've actually, as bankers, with the Florida Bankers Association, American Bankers Association, we've been, you know, lobbying and wanting Congress to pass anybody with, with 150,000 or less, we just have to do a one-page application. Um, and then with everything that's happening with the Supreme Court, that uh, that that's gotten delayed. And it just really would make things a lot better for our customers um, You know that because of the 500 that we have that have PPP loans, uh, 400 of those would be under the $150,000 limit. And then the other thing that's happening, so even if I submitted a loan right now, SBA is not even accepting it to be looked at for forgiveness. It's sitting out there in a queue. I guess it's kind of on my mind you know, this, uh, this week and kind of going forward. Because we got 70 million dollars out in uh, PPP loans, and you know, at one percent, we thought these loans were going to be gone uh, by the end of the year, and it looks like that could not happen. Maybe it might not happen. From the bank standpoint, thankfully, we don't have a. We, I've got plenty of liquidity, but let's just say I didn't, and I've got. Seventy million tied up at one percent that I could maybe be loaning out at four and a half percent. That would be a big you know, disadvantage. So that that hasn't been the case yet, but it is one of those things where we'd like to get that money back into our inventory. We've got plenty of customers that would just like to go ahead get these loans forgiven and like kind of put it behind them because it's kind of still hanging. You know, it's just kind of hanging out there as something that needs to to be done. I did see. Was talking to one customer on a loan that we're working on this week, uh, that really is reorganizing and really kind of uh, reducing uh, their 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 staffing and whatever. Just as uh, and, and that's kind of the first first one that uh, you know we've kind of seen where it's like okay, we we want to cut back, um, and you know to kind of make things work. And so I I continue to have this question. Wow, oh, man! What's the you know what's the future? Uh, what, what's the future going to look like? But uh, this last quarter of the year, it's going to be wait and see. I think both for the bank and for our customers.
0: American National Bank CEO Ginger Martin in Fort Lauderdale. It's not wait and see this week for Pilar Guzman Zavala. She runs Empanada Maker Half Moon Empanadas. It's a big week for her. A week that's been a year and a half in the making.
7: We are um, one week from our October third. Uh, sort of uh, relaunch of the brand, uh, so it's kind of crazy because um, we are rebranding the company and launching this new brand that it has taken us 14 months to build in the middle of the pandemic. So we're gonna have this like um, party, kind of like a curbside party in the, in the in the kitchen where we're inviting the community to come and have free empanadas on us, and so. You know the the idea of the party in a pandemic. It's been interesting to kind of organize, and so I've been focusing on understanding the technology for us to be able to post an ad in Facebook to invite the community, but also to kind of get them organized in in hours, so that not everybody shows up at five o'clock, right? And so. Understanding that logistics, it's taking some time. Um, we've been, I've been working with, uh, we have like a designer that does our art in Argentina. So we've been doing like all of the last pieces that were missing, you know, like the mask with the with the new logo. We're finalizing the menus to be printed. I didn't have much chance to look at any of the news. I, I know that at the city level, uh, you know, things are coming back uh, to faces. The schools are going back. Restaurants were open. I welcome the opening. Um, you know, as, um, I guess it will depend on how you see the, the virus and COVID and how you feel about it, because there is still many people that are afraid of it. I don't see it like that. It's, it's part of the new life and it's, you just gotta have precautions and, and, but you gotta continue having the life. Every week, every Tuesday, it's my bills day. So every Tuesday, I sign checks. I looked at the, at everything that's due that week. And so really when the, the month ends, um, I, I I see more like the big picture of the month. I actually had a preview. I had a meeting with my financial team to look at cash flow and look at the projections for the next three months. It looks good. And it's funny because my director of operations was very excited because of the results and I was very pessimistic. And I said, no, 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 no. We, we got to think about January. Like what's going to be the next six months in January to June? Because I worry that this virus is going to continue to be. You know, then I felt bad and I called her back and I said, listen, I do appreciate the work and I, I think you are giving great results. Just I'm thinking as an owner and I'm, I, I need to worry about the wrong way.
0: Pilar Guzman Zavala with Half Moon Banadas, the baker of our baker-banker-bartender trio, we're following week to week through the pandemic economy. You can follow us on Twitter at WLRN. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis, our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.